Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're up to, including all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. This week on the show, we are talking about all things Faction Skis with three of Faction's finest. We've got Hank Lampert, Josh Cohen, and Daniel Tanzer with us. And I talk with them about the history of the brand, including some of the watershed moments in the history of the company. We get brought up to speed on some of the big recent changes at Faction. We hear about what it's like to go skiing with and design skis for Candide Thovex. And then we go over Faction's entire lineup for the upcoming season, which means that we end up talking about mono skis and mogul skis and big fat pow skis. So, you know, you've got that to look forward to. This is a good one, and I am confident that all of you are going to learn something about Faction that you didn't know before. Now, before we dive into all of that, I want to remind you that we have teamed up with Spot to make sure that you know that we all now have an actually affordable option for injury insurance. We all know that our next crash or accident is probably just around the corner, and if you go to blister.getspot.com, You can get $20,000 of medical bill coverage for just $25 a month, and that is $20,000 for each time you get injured. And while Spot works with and covers a lot of skiers and mountain bikers and snowboarders and skateboarders, I wonder how many mono skiers they work with, by the way. I don't know. We should look into that. Anyway, Spot policies cover you 24-7 worldwide. Whether you accidentally fall down the stairs because you were too busy texting on your phone or whether you break your elbow trying to do some candy-esque rail slide through like a European cow pasture or something. Anyway, even better than all of that, Spot has no deductible, and it is a monthly subscription that you can cancel at any time. And one more thing, Spot also works whether you have health insurance or not. So go to blister.getspot.com, sign up, and get $20,000 worth of accident coverage for $25 a month. That's blister.getspot.com. And now, let's go ahead and talk about the past and the present of Faction. Here we go. Well, I am happy to be joined now by Hank Daniel and Josh, and we are going to get to some introductions and get a bit more about the backgrounds of each of you guys here in just a second. But before we do that, I think I want to just begin with a bit of an overview of the faction brand. Let's start here maybe by having Hank talk a little bit about what is Faction Skis, what is this company, what is this brand? Sure, happy to take that one, and I'll try and keep it super brief here. But uh, born in 2006, we are a Switzerland-based, independent company. We make high-performance, premium skis for free skiers, period. We sponsor a world-class team of athletes. We are making grade-A films to showcase their talents. And between the quality of the product, 
in those films, we have built a very special family of, again, fans, athletes, our employees, our retail partners, and a huge group of mountain professionals like patrollers, instructors, mountain guides who rely on our product day in and day out. Together, we are the Faction Collective, and we have a global influence, and we are driving for progression in free skiing every day. That's what we do. Josh, I think he did pretty good. That was good. That was very good. Wow. Do you want to, I mean, is there, <laughs> I, that feels like the Mona Lisa. Is there anything you add to that, or do we all just walk away? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's not much to add. I think, like, just being here, just, I, I think, like, you are going to do the introductions, but me being in uh, Switzerland and Hank being in the U.S. and Daniel being in Austria, it's, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really true. I mean, what we are is a collection of different types of people who all influence this brand and who really make it special and who make it unique. And, I, and you know, when people ask us that, like, what, what makes you guys unique, it really often comes down to the people that um, have created this brand and, and who are part of this brand and, and, and what we bring to the table. And so it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to, to get to work with these guys. And, and uh, yeah, that's that's. That's it. It's good. It's really good. So let's go ahead and talk a bit about each of your respective backgrounds. And I think I'll, we'll stay with you for a moment, Josh. Um, I mean, my understanding is you've been with Faction for like ever. Um, but but give us your give us your background and your you know your story with Faction. Yeah. Um, well, Faction is, is, is Swiss-based. I'm, I'm not Swiss, but I've been here for a really long time. I got here in 2000, um, and uh, we met Tony um, pretty early on. Um, but I was my brother was actually the first employee at Faction in 2007, 2006 or 2007, and he hired me um, pretty, pretty soon thereafter. Um, and I've been with the company ever since, and it's just been an incredible ride. I was on, I was in sales for a long time. I was actually in the U S for a long time, for about three years. Then I came back here. Um, and uh, I was in, I was doing, I was more on the sales side. And then about three years ago, I think it was, I moved into product. That's, that's about, that's my history with the brand. And I've, I'm, I'm now basically other than, than, uh, my boss, I'm, I'm the oldest guy, the guy's been around the longest. So it's, it's a really, really cool position to be in, in a, in a company like this. It's, it's, I feel very, very lucky. Hank, AKA Henrik, do is your mom mad that you go by Hank or is she cool with this? Like what, why not Henrik? Henrik sounds <laughs> fancier. It's if, you know, Henrik is the name of a guy who was wearing like a nice suit all the time. So how does your mom feel about you going by Hank? I think mom is less mad about me being known by Hank than she's mad about me as a youngster quitting ski racing and jumping over to free ride. Because mom is an Olympic medalist ski racer from Norway. And uh, she, she wanted me bashing gates for my whole ski career. Uh, but, you know, as it happened... Uh, started spinning tricks in the terrain park and whatnot, and, and that's where I went. So luckily I had a younger brother who was continuing to ski race, so she was occupied by him. But uh, <laughs> now mom, mom is happy, so uh, <laughs> we're all happy okay. when mom is happy. When did you get started with Faction? So uh, just a super quick background on me. Again, grew up in Boston, uh, moved out to Colorado to go to college. Immediately following graduation, I ended up working at Free Skier Magazine, that was an eight-year career there, uh, and in the final few years there, 
you know, part of the part of the gig was ski testing. Some of my absolute favorite skis that I was rocking were CT 2.0, CT 3.0. Those are Candide Tovex's Pro model, of course. And you know, one thing leads to another. I find myself in Verbier at the faction headquarters one day on a work assignment, uh, you know, covering this amazing film shoot that was going down there, and seeing the energy, seeing the passion behind, you know, the athletes and the staff. One thing leads to another, and I find myself at Faction. So just over a year for me now with the company, and it's been a heck of a year, and same as Josh, truly feel very, very lucky uh, and honored to be a part of the group. Last but not least, Daniel, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I would like to add uh, two things to my two colleagues. Uh, Josh is more Swiss than you think, because he's now, since last year, officially a Swiss uh, citizen uh, with a Swiss passport. And I skied with Hank. He, he changed his race suits uh, to um, hot dog uh, costumes because he likes hot dogs and he skis always on, on Mac desks with hot dog costumes and I ski with Tiroler Lederhosen. That's my way. You know, that's my two colleagues. But coming back to my background, I, I joined the ski industry in 2004 at Fisher, starting as a ski engineer. My first project was to develop the first symmetrical ski in the ski industry. I'm pretty proud of uh, seeing also that 16, 17 years later now, uh, state of the art of a modern freestyle ski. I, then I moved to Kestley uh, in 2007. I was there for three years. Uh, it was nice start, uh, startup uh, feeling. We were eight employees working our ass offs. And um, then I moved eight years to Scott I was in charge of the ski development, ski poles, uh, some ski boots. And then I got a phone call of the CEO from Faction. He asked me, Daniel, you would like to jump on? I said, no problem, you know. We go to the next level in the last two and a half years. I'm so happy that we have restructured the entire team. Uh, we moved all our production to Austrian-based manufacturers, and now we raised also their our quality on skis. That's a tremendous work and uh, I'm appreciating all my colleagues, you know. And we have also there Oliver, our ski engineer, he's, uh, he was the co-founder of Kessley. Uh, he's working with me more on technical things. Uh, he has 17 years of R&D experience. Uh, we got also on board Sarah, a former Volvo engineer. And I'm, I can tell you, I'm, I'm so happy that we have an automotive uh, industry approach in the ski industry, you know, because we think the ski industry is building, or we are doing rocket science, but we are building a sandwich, you know, and the sandwich tastes a little bit better on that side. But uh, I'm so happy that we have Sarah there to, to check the quality in our facilities. If I were to ask you guys, like, what you take to be some of the key moments in factions history or significant turning points. And that can be anything from like moving factories or I don't know, other just developments in this history. Does anything come to mind from that kind of trajectory point of view that kind of stands out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, there were two things that happened. Obviously there was the, the, the very beginning, but then it, within that, like we had a conversation, 
You know, I remember this conversation, like who, if we could have, we didn't, we weren't really into, you know, signing big athletes. Clearly we were a small company. It wasn't something that like we knew we could really do. It wasn't realistic, right? To be like, but, but we had the conversation, like who would represent faction the best? Like if you could choose any athlete, who would be the most emblematic of your brand? Like who would you guys want to see? And the answer was clearly Condit. Like it was just one of those things. And of course it was like, Candide, sure, right, as if we're ever going to have Candide, you know what I mean? And so there was a multiple thing, multiple things that happened there that like led to that. Like it was, it was one, he, he, um, uh, he's, he's from La Cruza, as everybody knows, and there was a shop there, one of our first shops, Karadarski, so he was able to see Faction pretty early on. Um, and then the other thing was that his manager at the time had actually worked in Verbier across from, from me at another shop. And so we knew him. So my brother and I knew him and we were, you know, we had good relations with him. So he was like, yeah, I know the Cohen brothers. Cool. So and then obviously, you know, we didn't we weren't we didn't accomplish anything. We just it was nice to have that relationship already. There was that trust that, that, that was there. Um, so I think that the, the signing of Candide was definitely a turning point you know, in, um, in factions history, you know, and then, then from there, I think I'd like to actually, you know, pass it to, to, to you got to, to Daniel, because to me, Daniel coming on board was the other major turning point. Like absolutely. As far as like product goes, it was just massive. It was massive. So Daniel, Daniel, let me just interject. We just went from bringing on the greatest of all time and then you. So I don't know. That's kind of drop the mic status, I think, for you right now. So no pressure or anything. But uh, yeah, uh, it's no it's no pressure on my side, you know, no. But honestly, when I when we started that project um, to get on a backdoor like set, you know, like you're starting a ski company, you're going there, you're building skis in your garage and uh, you glue something together and you test skis, you know, then you are starting with 50 pairs, 100 pairs. And we have a lot of ski companies out there on that level. Uh, then you get on board the greatest of all time. Then you are getting on a certain level. You're producing on smaller factories. You are having like, you can consider that with a small baby, you know, you have small problems, you know, and if you become bigger, you're getting bigger problems. And in the end, we, we got some limitations and, uh, and on the facilities, but then we moved <clears throat> and then we got also to a, to a certain, certain uh, quantities to enter into big facilities. And then we had the possibility on my on my end then when I joined two and a half years ago with that size of we were there two and a half years ago and twenty thousand skis, you can enter, you can ask some big companies to produce your skis. And that's the reason then you change your level, your your quality level, you know, because you have their facilities, you have a milling machine, it costs you sixteen million euros. And that's 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 insane, you know. You cannot afford that with 50 pairs of skis in your garage, you know. Maybe you have only one single machine, you know. And then you see these kind of big machines grinding your skis. Uh, and then you have also the knowledge, the experience of 100 years uh, producing your skis. 
Uh, and that was easy for me, you know, to come in on that stage, you know, because I had the possibility to speak with those and uh, with all the engineers coming in. It's not on my side. We are an entire team, you know, the engineer is the most talented engineer in the ski industry what I've ever seen. And I asked him, Oliver, would you like to join me to develop all our skis? We have the possibility to build skis in Austria now because we have a, a volume what's also the biggest are interested to produce. And then we have all the Josh with all the experience uh, with this all this history, you know, because in the in the in the beginning our CEO asked me, uh, Daniel, we it's May and I would like to have new skis in autumn. And I said to him, I cannot change anything, you know. Because normally you start a process in October and you are final in March, in April, you know. And we have done that so quick. We have we were speaking with, with big companies in Austria and they were all able to, to produce our skis in a short time. And I'm so happy that every single model in our ski line is now renewed or improved in two years. And every single model is improved or new. And for next season, we have every single model completely new. With new molds, we have done a heavily investment on molds. Every mold is new. And this is something what I'm so thankful, you know, that we did that job, you know, with a huge investment. We have all our more than 400 investors helping us on, on that move. And, uh, and this is, is, is giving us the possibility to step up on this third phase. So in terms of the trajectory, we've talked about bringing on Candide. We've talked about the massive changes in terms of production that have happened in the last two years. Hank, anything else in terms of, I don't know, watermark moments for the company that come to mind for you? Yeah, certainly. Uh, we think of it as three prongs, uh, as Josh alluded to earlier in the conversation. So we've got the product, we've got the athletes, and we've got films. So films being the third prong that we haven't really discussed yet. Again, for me, I'm at Free Skier a few years ago on assignment covering a film premiere in Salt Lake City of the movie was This Is Home. And so here I am, journalist, I'm in the room and I'm watching this energy and I'm thinking, wow, like this is really something. Fast forward a couple years more, now I'm with the company, I'm helping to put on this global film tour. We've got 250 plus film stops around the country and you know a number of those are really really big that we host ourselves a number of them are smaller university type thing that we just help to facilitate but some of the big ones and i'm thinking denver salt lake vancouver some of these you know pinnacle ski towns you're in the room and the energy is unbelievable and they're packed rooms and that was again a couple months into the job for me and so this is my intro basically to to working at faction thinking wow the energy in these rooms is really, really something special. And so that was my first sort of vision of product, athlete, film, all connecting all at once for, for something really special. And that's where I think this passion that's behind the brand uh, is coming into play. So it's, it's the element of film uh, and product and athlete all together. So we're going to start talking about the 2021 lineup in a, in a, in a minute here. But before we get there, Daniel, 
I would like to ask you about what it's like designing skis and being involved with conversations about skis with Jesus, a.k.a. Candide. How's that working out? Sometimes not so easy, to be honest to you. <laughs> but I would like to dig in there a little bit with a background story, what we have experienced, my, especially my engineer Oliver and myself. Mm -hmm. uh, last year in Kitzbühel, we met each other for the Kitzbühel downhill race Streif. Uh, Candid was invited by Audi. Uh, he was doing uh, some chilling, chilling morning, you know, drinking some coffees, you know, watching the race. Uh, and I had a day before a tremendous hike, 2000 meters vertical uh, meters uh, with for sure a beefy setup. And I was hiking with some more ascent oriented guys and they killed my legs. The day after in Kitzbühel, I had the biggest muscle soreness what you can believe. I was not able to lift my legs yeah. out of the car without using my, without supporting with my hands. You know what I mean? I felt so bad. You know, I was really not able to ski. And I said to Oliver, Oliver, it might be a chance that we have to ski with Candid today. And I hope he's not calling me. And then after the ski race at 2 p.m., Candid on your phone. What would you do? You say, Candid, I'm sorry, I don't feel good. I don't ski with you. Yeah. Or you say option B, hey, hello, my friend. You know, for sure we're going for a run and testing products. I'm not regretting that I chose B. And we went up um, uh, on a really perfect day, you know, like this uh, race, race event, you know, everybody is watching the race. Everybody in Austria is skiing on piste, you know, you have untracked the rain uh, next to the lifts. And uh, we went up then on the last run uh, at four o'clock or four 30. And it was a kind of sunset uh, atmosphere. And we had on the top of the gondola 20 minutes next to the station, 35 degree steep terrain, you know, untracked. And he said to me, are you fucking kidding me? I said, no, that's the reality in Austria. Nobody is skiing yeah. off this yeah. and nobody's following you. You know, <laughs> if you, if we would ski now with Hermann Meyer and Marcel Hirscher, it would be different, you know, but we are skiing with you. And, uh, and in fact, he was skiing in front of us, Oliver and me with the new city 5.0. And I thought I'm on Instagram to be honest with you. I thought I'm watching his YouTube videos, watching him skiing. And for me, it was mind opening. You know, it's what you see maybe on videos. And then you see him skiing in front of you. you we are all thinking we are good skiers, but this is something on the next level. He's always balanced. He's, he's, he sees all, everything, you know, in front of him, you know, he's anticipating, you know, and he's skiing so smooth and in the end of the day, we were drinking beers. We, we had, we had fun. We had dinner and he said, Daniel, maybe I changed from Lacrosse to Austria, you know, because, and maybe I extend now my Audi days to four and we ski another one, you know, and I said, no problem. And that's 
And then that was the reason why we came up then with the entire redesigning of the Candid series, you know, because he was loving the 5.0 so much. We were analyzing that more technically and we found that he's skiing on a specific mounting point. He's skiing on the narrowest point on the side cut to get this nimbliness in this easy pivoting, uh, this soft center the more stiff dip and tail, this allows him that he's keying so fast. And then we have applied this shape, everything, this balance on all the other skis, like the Candid 3.0, the Candid 2.0, and the Candid 1.0. But this was super mind-opening, and that's impressive that you are sitting with the greatest of all time on one table, and you have four days' discussion of developing skis. And then... The next level is then maybe Josh can can maybe dig in there with the graphics because he's also in charge of the graphic design. You know, he chooses what's what's on the top sheet, and then Josh is then uh, the lead on that process. I don't know if I can like top that story because that was that was awesome. Um, I, I can't. I don't. I don't even. I, I know. I can't top that story. I had. I, I did have a similar story with Candide where he took me off the back of skiing at La Cluzan. It was. It was the same thing. I mean, it was just. It was. It was awesome. It was like when I kind of just was like the first time I had seen him at that point. That was a while ago. That was like five or six years ago, and there wasn't as much Instagram and all that stuff. And so I hadn't seen him that much. I'd seen a couple of films, but seeing him in person was just. It was awesome. And he was so. It was such. A, he, we were with Aziz, um, who's the one who's often filming with him as well. And it was just the three of us and. It was just one of those human moments where you get to know somebody when you're out, you know, what we all talk about, right? When you're out in the mountains, there's pow, you've just hiked up to a little spot, you've never been there before, you got somebody taking you there, but that person just happens to be Condit, you know? So it was, that was my first, you know, really awesome moment with him. Um, and then, yeah, we, we've, we've worked on the graphics together. The last time um, was... Uh, last year and uh, this year COVID kind of messed things up a little bit. We couldn't get together, obviously. But last year we were able to go. I was able to go to his house in uh, in La Cruza and just spend a full day. And you really, you really see how much he cares. Like he just cares so much about the placement of every line, how the number uh, is shaped, uh, the, the thickness of the font. I mean, there's just it's 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 um, meticulous. It's meticulous, you know. And and you see that in all the work that he does. And there's no difference in when he's doing the graphics so it's it's just a pleasure working with him in that sense you know often it's 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 um it's hard work because he's got you know a hundred different ideas and we were working together to whittle them down and you got to pick them but i mean it's 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 always been a pleasure it's always been an absolute pleasure and it's it's an honor you know what i mean there's it's an honor so yeah that's my follow-up one more question on this because i think this is really an interesting topic of when we are talking about athletes who are among the best to ever do it. I think there's a really broad spectrum in the sense of some of these elite, elite athletes really, really care about their equipment and some just don't. And I will defend forever that I don't think there's a right way to be on this. It's like if you, if God has just graced you with incredible abilities and you don't really care or think through about all this 
specifics and the details of the product and it's like, hey, that's somebody else's job. That makes total sense to me. I'm fine with that, right? And yet it's kind of interesting. So like I'm thinking about as you guys are talking, like, you know, Josh, you're talking about Candide really cares about the graphics and Daniel, it sounds like you guys certainly have had your conversations about specific elements of design. Is there a thing that you can point to with Candide where he is particularly concerned about a particular variable? So some options, right? Uh, For some skiers, it's definitely aesthetics. And I know amazing skiers who literally their approach to ski design is like, I want a black top sheet. That's where it kind of starts and stops. Like I want a black top sheet, right? Others, maybe it's about mount point. Somebody else, maybe it's about side cut. Somebody else, maybe it's about weight. They want it lighter or they want it heavier. So is there anything with Candide where you'd say, yeah, he's kind of a side cut guy or he is a weight obsessed guy? Or is there any kind of specific thing that you would say in your experience with Candide where he gets particularly hung up or obsessed on one element? Now, particularly on the ski development, there are two factors for him. What what matters for him? It's the mounting points and the weight, especially. Um, he has his old friend's ski mounting guy. He's measuring always his mounting points. And I'm not sure. I, I, was, I was not asking him about his calculation, you know. But we have done our researches and we have analyzed why he's skiing that on that point. And that's the narrowest point, you know. But... This deck guy was measuring, I guess, the narrowest point of the side cut. And he's always, he's always with the line, with the mounting line on that, on that point, on the side cut. And uh, on the new CT 3.0, what I've shipped to him for the Audi 9s in Sudan, uh, I was doing a mark for him. <laughs> and his deck guy was mounting it on the, same, on the same point than our calculation point. And I said to him, George, uh, uh, Candide, don't care about your calculation. We are always accurate now with the triangle or the marking on the sidewall because <laughs> we have done the recalculation of your math, you know, and that's something what he cares. And then also the lightweight thing, uh, he loves to ski lighter stuff. But what we have seen the last 10 years, especially in the ski industry, everybody went lighter, lighter, lighter. And we have faced some durability issues in the end. Everybody, we, all others. And now we went back a little bit to more beefier construction. Uh, We are so happy that we we found a good mix of having lightweight skis, but also having or bringing that durability in. Like if you wanted to sum it up in one word, it's, it's precision, right? He's just precise. Like he's, he, he, he just cares. Like he's just a guy who cares, you know, he, he's very, he cares about all, all that stuff. Like it's, he just doesn't, he's just quiet about it. He's not somebody who goes out and, and yells about that stuff. He just does it. He, he does his, he does his homework. He makes sure it's done right. He, he makes sure it's done right. And that's it. But he's precise and he knows what he likes. He knows what he likes at this point, you know? And so, 
And I mean, that, that's, that's just, you know, I think part of that comes from like when you're skiing the same terrain, like over and over and over again, you can really, really, really hone in on exactly what it is that you want out of your equipment, you know, because you're just, you're, you're, um, your testing area it just is the same all the time. And I mean, he has grown up in an Akuza and he still skis there to this day. And I think I do think that there's an element there, you know, where he just like, he, he goes back to, he, he figures it out. Like, he's like, I don't like this. I like that. And, you know, I don't want to like, guess how he thinks, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I mean, like, I don't, but you know, we have been, he Candid has now been with us for, for a long time and, and it's the longest that, that, that he's ever been with any ski company. And I do think that there's an element to that is, is that, is that Candid 5.0, that Candid 5.0 ski is just like, I'm just going to speak personally here for a second, but like when I first got onto that ski, it changed how I felt about skiing again. Like I was, I'll admit, I was starting to get a little bored of skiing because this is a while ago now. This, this ski's been around for a while and, and I was, it's, it's a flat ski with tip and tail rocker and it just like, it, it, it kind of blew my mind because it just was like such a fun ski to ski on. And I do think that there's an element. Of, I think he could ski well on anything, just for the record. I think it doesn't really matter that much. But like, you know, when you find something that you really like, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, like this is still allowing me to progress. And I know for a fact that he did say that. He was like, what it is, one of the things I like about this ski is that it continues to allow me to progress. And so... And, I, and I, I hear him. Like, I, I, I hear him. I've skied so many amazing days on that ski. I love that ski. And, yeah, I, I, so I don't know. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my little add-on to that. Let's talk about this 2021 lineup. How do you like to break down sort of the different series, or how do you just like to talk about the lineup in general? Sure. We keep it as simple as we possibly can. We have four main ski series. We have two flat tail and we have two twin tip. The two flat tail, we have the dictator series. That's two sheets of metal, super hard charger. And we have in that exact same mold, so just a different sandwich and layup, we have agent series, which is a lightweight Karuba wood and a full carbon weave. That's an uphill oriented ski with a full focus on the downhill performance. Then we got the two twins. We have Candide that we've already discussed, and we've got Prodigy, super progression-oriented ski, a ski for everybody. So that's kind of the basics. And then across the lines, you go 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 type thing. That's how we're numbering all of these. You go wider as you go up the numbers. And also throughout the lines, you will see the X series. So where you have, for example, a CT 3.0, you have a CT 3.0X. That X series is for the ladies. This is our way to celebrate the ripping women that we have in our collective. The construction in the X series never ever changes. It's the exact same always. The only thing different is the length of the ski and the artwork. So that's it in a nutshell. We have also the Outcast series. I'll save it for last because it is the Outcast. That's a mono ski. It is a mogul ski and it is a super fat powder ripping machine called La Machine appropriately. And uh, that's it. That's sort of the, the five series, four main ones there. Keep it super simple for everybody. And 2021, we're thinking of this as our most uh, complete collection to date, certainly the highest quality to date, something that we're very, very proud of. Let's start going through some of the different series then. And um, let's start with the dictators. I am confused by this line. I don't 
know exactly, like we kind of heard different things about it's been slightly tweaked um, or no, it hasn't really been changed um, or yeah, for this season it is different. And so I am really hoping that you guys can clear up for me where we are with the Dictator series today. In two years, you cannot change everything in one year. That's that's the main point there, you know, and we have started to, to restructure the 1.0 and 2.0 last season. And we have done that for this season, the 3.0 and 4.0. Completely redeveloped, made in Austria. We have two sheets of detonal in. Um, and also what maybe confuses you as a reviewer or an end consumer, we changed completely our philosophy there. We changed the side cut. We changed the way of skiing. We had some... We had some skis in the past for really good skiers built with long radius in deep and tail. Uh, you have to inclinate really well the ski that you are entering the turn well. And now we have completely the opposite on our side cut. We have a wider radius underfoot. We have a tighter radius in deep and tail, which allows a little bit more this easier initiation uh, we are speaking to a broader audience and they are not so stiff anymore like in the past what we have what we have done it was too specific uh, approach maybe we had an influence there for for from two big mountain oriented skiers you know uh, and now I'm so happy that we have a common philosophy we have analytical side cut on all our skis now uh, which allows us to 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 ski every type of terrain and speaking also to different skiers and not only to a niche market josh anything to add to that well actually i i wanted to ask you jonathan because i'm not sure i understand exactly what your confusion is to be honest with you i'm going to be talking primarily about the dictator 3.0 in, in the series um that was well, in some ways, that was the ski I think I had the most, took the most issue with. But the confusion for me is like, has this ski changed or not? Because the version that I tested, it's now been a few seasons. Like we were just hearing kind of mixed reports from Faction about like, oh yeah, no, no, we totally we totally changed it. And then it's like, oh, but wait, maybe we didn't so much or we were going to, but then... For some different reasons, we weren't able to make those changes, you know, take effect. And so that was the confusion. And, and Jonathan, honestly, you know, like last season, we had presented at SIA at ISPO, we had presented an old version, you know, and we were not sure to shift productions. But from speeding wise, it was not able, we were not able to, to shift the 3.0 already last season. And then we made in summer a late change, but all the communication went out in spring with an old version, old catalog, old press releases. Also on the Mac tests, you know, we, we had all the old gear in and we made a late intro last winter uh, uh, with the new construction made in Austria. And this philosophy has completely changed. And maybe that's the confusion what we are having uh, now. No, that's cool. And I mean, we want to check out certainly the whole 
updated dictator series, you know, we'll address it because I've talked about this quite a bit on the site. My take on what is now, we will try to be clear, the previous dictator 3.0, right? Not your new, not the one that's on the walls for people to buy now. I personally just thought that if that ski was actually either make it heavier to match the stiffness, or if you wanted to keep that weight of the previous Dictator 3.0, reduce that stiffness a bit. I don't disagree with the way that you described the previous 3.0. You said it's niche. You said it's for very good skiers, right? And so if someone starts thinking a little bit about like a Formula One race car, that is not the most comfortable car to drive, right? No, you're not... If you're buying a Formula One because you want a sick, like, cushy ride, you've just made a category mistake, right? I just thought that for kind of an everyday inbounds ski, that 3.0 was a pretty harsh and unforgiving ride. So, yeah, it has a nice high top end. But, man, make a mistake or hit a mogul patch the weird way and you're going to get punished. And so, I mean, this is, I think you can, we can all go read what we wrote about in our buyer's guide or in the review, but like, yeah, if you're going to skin up a mountain and get into some more open lines in pretty good snow, that old 3.0 was light enough to let you do that and then fucking rip on the way down. But I think what I just thought was, man, for like an everyday kind of inbounds ride and kind of beat conditions... That's where I was cautioning people. That was my take on the old 3.0. I don't think I don't think you're wrong. That this was feedback that that I was getting at the ski test when I was doing the media gig, and it's it's a perception of that ski now that we're fighting to change. No question, because we continue to go to the ski tests uh, this past winter, for example, and you have testers who have been at this for a long time. They've got it planted in their head that Dictator is just this, you know, two by four basically. Uh, we're fighting hard to change that perception and people are coming around because they do get on the new one now and my gosh, it's so much more forgiving. It's a real dream to ski on. And to be honest uh, with you, we have a lot of supporters out there from our old lineup. We are not having, we have, we have received great results, test results. Maybe it was also equipped with a wrong finish. You know, that's also what. We were struggling a lot with the with the, the base bevel, especially, you know. They were super flat, you know, and you cannot ski a flat bevel, you know. It was it was like you ski on rails and the structure was not well. And we struggled a lot, you know, there and with all the magazine tests in the past, you know, we had to regrant everything, you know, but sometimes it's like also an education of a freestyle company. I was also I grew up with racing uh starting uh, starting the business career in a racing facility and you get an education that you have to finish your skis well with a 16 million euro granning finishing line and this is something what we have faced the last couple of years especially maybe with you with your reviews uh and we got bad feedback in the end maybe the ski was not bad in the in the construction or in the shape but sometimes this last five percent we have missed 
Well, and I just want to add that, like, unfortunately, with a flat tail or with a little bit less tip and tail rocker, those bevel mistakes are going to be much more apparent. And that's a real problem when you're trying to test those. Like if you have that on a, on a Con D2, most people aren't going to feel it. Or a lot of those guys are grinding down their edge, like they're detuning their edge anyway. And so that's why the Con D2.0 would always get great reviews no matter what. But as soon as we came up with those flat tails, any small mistake was going to be highlighted. So, yeah. You know, and I will say with my own experience then talking about the Dictator 4.0, what you guys are saying very much resonates. I remember vividly my first run ever on that ski, rode up the chairlift, started down and was actually terrified, like could not turn that ski at all. And I rode it straight back to the ski rack at the bottom of the mountain took it off and like went and reviewed something else. And I was like, yeah, this ski isn't right. And then we did what we always do around here, which is we did go, we checked the tune. We, you know, we did a full base grind on it. We, you know, put a new bevel on it and the rest. And then it's like, yeah, it, um, and then we were, we were in a much, much better position. And so, you know what, guess what? Every ski manufacturer on earth has dealt with this issue at some time, just to be clear. And so before any other ski companies out there start feeling real good about themselves, we probably have had a similar issue with one of your skis, like just keeping it real, you know? And so, you know, I think like, to me, you guys being willing to say like, yeah, we realized some of these things weren't coming out of the factory in good shape. Every other ski manufacturer has had that. Yes, let's try to put an end to this across the board, but like, you know, acknowledge, move on, be better. That's it. I mean, it's all about right now. What we're asking consumers is definitely to look ahead, not look back. You know what I mean? Like, or to, or to, to look at what we have now. You know what I mean? It's, it's so important for us to be able to have that blank slate. We know we're not always going to get it, you know, but we, we ask that, that people give us a second chance because it is a totally different product. By the way, maybe I will also say too, if anybody listening to this has ever had the experience, regardless of what brand ski you happen to be on, of that awful feeling of like, I can't turn. Like, I literally can't turn. Like, I'm locked and I feel like I'm going to blow my knee out, right? Trying to initiate a turn. Go check the tune, right? I, and I mean, like, I think a lot of us do know this some of us still don't but sometimes it's not actually like wow this ski is the worst i think it sucks it sometimes is these things can come out of the factory and like it and the tune gets wrong or like it's been spending a bunch of time in a shipping container and things get a little warped or wobbled and it's like let's always check the tune on stuff if you get out there and you like hate the way something is skiing just a public service announcement for those who might need it. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. It's true, though. Jonathan is so true, you know, and when Josh and Hank, we are skiing so much competitor skis, you know, and when we see a ski company, it's a competitor, but when a ski is not working well, we go there, we say, okay, guy, you have maybe a problem on your tune because all our skis out there, they are all working well, you know, Maybe it tastes a little bit different. And in the end, maybe you prefer it more. But none of the skis out there is unskiable. And that's, that's something what, what, we, what we know. And we are all uh, using the same kind of the same materials. Uh, 
we build it a little bit differently uh, with the balance, but almost we are all the same. That's probably enough about the dictators. Let's talk a bit about the agent series. You guys touched on this a little bit, but tell us more. Josh, what do you got? Well, I, one of the things that we wanted to do with the agent series is we wanted to create skis that were skied really well on the downhill, but were light enough to go up. So we didn't want a like a lightweight. We we are one of our focuses right now. When we haven't gotten into this at all, but one of our focuses for sustainability is making sure that we're making durable products. Okay, if we make skis that are super super lightweight, we know that our consumer is going to break them way quicker. We have a different t- style of consumer clearly than a lot like than Dinafit. I mean, it's just that's just the reality, right? And so our guys are going to be harder on their skis all the time. They are going to take a lightweight ski and they are going to go rip on it. So. We needed to make a ski that wasn't just lightweight. We needed to make a ski that was going to hold up on the downhill too. And right now, when you see some of the the, the like the kingpin, the shift, um, and then all these like uh, ski boots that are like kind of crosses between like a downhill boot that's got a walk mode on it, we wanted to make skis that go with those products so that you can get on there and you can be like, basically you have one setup. You can rip on the, on the piece, but then you know that like you can go uphill too. So we really wanted to get into that mode because we think that that's really where the industry is going, right? We think that people now, like they just want to have that one setup that they have all the time. And they're just like, I feel confident being on a groomer and going as fast as I can. But then also I want to be able to go up and tour and then ski down somewhere else too and know that my, my, my skis are going to hold up to that. So that's, that to me is in essence, and I, I get, I'm, I think you can hear my voice. I'm getting passionate because I really like, to me, that's what I want too. I love it. Like, I love that. Like we have that ability now to have these skis that we can just have so much fun on, on the downhill, but that are also light enough for us to get up and be able to get more, uh, verdant. It is the, the, I hate to use the word, but we're talking about one ski quiver, right? It's really, it's everyone talks about it, but to me, this is the ski that I'm going to end up using most days this winter uh, for exactly the reasons that Josh has talked about. It's something that I could go out on any given day with one boot, one ski, and I can do anything. And, and we've heard this echoed from ski tester comments uh, throughout the winter of, let's just say, for example, a ski coach from Alta who comes to mind, says he wants to go touring up the Baldy shoots in the morning. Then he's going to go down and join the kids and rip around in the morning through all kinds of mixed bag terrain. And then in the afternoon, he's gonna go rejoin his buddies for a few late season laps type thing. It's one ski for all those items. And I think for me, the other thing that I think is really unique about it is bigger trips too, right? We're talking about a single day there, but if you're gonna go do something like international travel, forget packing a bag with two skis or God forbid, two boots, right? That's just crazy. So for me, like I had a dream trip that I had planned this past April Unfortunately, uh, COVID had its way with that trip, but we were going to go way up into the Arctic Circle, ski Sweden's highest peak. It's called Kebnekaise. It's way out there. Super cool place. Look it up. And that was going to be my one ski that I was going to bring to do this beautiful touring trip and absolutely rip that peak down to the down to the bottom. But then I wanted to bring the same ski and set up to Verbier, visit the guys at the HQ, and go rip around inbounds in Verbier for a week. So it's just it's one ski truly to do it all. And the, the feedback from this first winter and first testing of these new models, the 3.0 and the 4.0 and the 3.0X, the feedback is truly, truly uh, blowing us away. And we're talking about at, at one of the bigger tests of the year, the 3.0 winning the category in a free ride category, right? So we're talking, we're talking about an uphill ski 
that one category that's about downhill performance. And that is the, you know, these sentiments about the downhill performance are being shared in, in every publication basically that we're, that we're hearing from so far. So something that we're really, really pumped on. I, the other thing I just want to add there real quick was I'm not even sure which ski he's referring to, which I think is really cool. He could be referring to the three or the four. Um, but I also just want to make sure that we include like all those people on the East Coast, um, Austria, Germany, whatever. You can go with a two or a one. Like this isn't just to the three and the four. This is the same thing with the two. It just maybe the two is not going to float quite as much, but it's the same concept with those two skis. So I'd like to hear you guys talk a little bit about the Prodigy series versus the Candide series. So if somebody is out there listening to this and thinking, I definitely hate flat-tailed skis, so like, thank you for stopping to talk about the dictators, you know? But they're kind of like, yeah, I definitely want a twin. Should I be thinking about the Prodigies or something out of the Candide lineup? How do you guys answer the question? Um, I mean, this was definitely something that went into the development of both lines. We really wanted to distinguish the lines going forward. We had that issue for a long time where there was a little bit of confusion as to like, what should I get? And I think now it's much, much, much better. What you have, just in, in really short, what you have on the Prodigy side is you have a much more progressive ski that's easy, sorry, a much a ski that's easier to progress with. And by that, what we mean is it's just a little bit softer in the tip and tail versus the Candide, which we consider to be more precise um, and, and part of that comes from the stiffness in the tip and the tail. Okay. And that, I think I'm not going to get into that too much because DT already talked about, Daniel already talked about that quite a bit in the development of the Condit ski. Okay. In terms of the prodigy ski, what we wanted to do is what I think I'm just going to take a little step back here because when we, what we did is when we tested the flex of the Condit 5.0, what we saw was that it was stiffer in the tip and tail and softer underfoot. And it really gave this like boat shaped flex curve. Whereas with the Prodigy series and with a lot of skis, what you get is more of a mustache style curve. Okay, we're getting a little technical here, but this is a, a, a tech pod. And, and it's, so what we really wanted to do is we wanted to develop that flex curve for the Prodigies, the mustache curve versus the boat curve for the Condide line. Okay, and what you get from that is you get softer tips and tails, and you can already see now that the, the reviews are coming out. You see that those prodigies have softer tips and tails, and it's considerably different from the Condide. So, if you're a consumer and you want something that's going to be a little bit more playful, a little bit more forgiving, something that you can really progress with, do all types of stuff with, the prodigy line is probably going to be more what you what you're looking for. Whereas if you're somebody who's like already in it quite a bit and you really know what you want and you're looking to really like maybe get more aggressive in terms of the tricks that you're doing, um, you want something that's got really a good, like uh, a really precise feel to it, then I think you would go more to the Condit side. Hank, howdy do. Did great. The one thing I would add is just regarding rocker camber profile. So in addition to the flex, right, the, the Prodigy is going to have quite a bit more camber in it. And that makes obviously all the difference in the world when you're wanting to make the transition from skiing in the soft stuff in the morning and maybe you want to go to a little more hard pack in the afternoon that prodigy ski is really really gripping beautiful edge hold the the candide models yeah, a little more flat less camber type thing a little more surfy smeary pivoty ride they still rip and the the one thing that i guess i would emphasize is it's a difference when you go up the line, right? So as you go from the CT 1.0, 2.0, those do have some nice camber uh, compared to the, the three and the five. The, uh, the five is totally flat. 
So there is a difference in the narrower and the wider models, but I think he's hit it on the head in terms of progression ski versus precision ski. Let's talk mono skis. I think it was actually my very first, I did sort of a, this blister awards thing from our very first uh, outdoor retailer show like a decade ago. And I was making some comment about the faction mono ski saying that I was going to get on this at some point. And I, I have never skied a mono ski. To be honest, I'm scared, but we should talk about this. Tell us about your faction mono ski and I don't know, mono culture, maybe. Okay, well, I'm, I'm jumping in here because this is a bit of a history from faction. Because this, this mo- first of all, this mono has been around for a long time, right? We've had that. We, we came out, we came out with the first flat rockered mono. I mean, you can look it up. I, I, if I challenge somebody out there to tell me that there was a flat rockered mono before ours. Um, and so we were like, we were, we had so much interest from, but you know, it was kind of one of those things that you do. It's fun. One of the things that was cool about it was that at powder week, um, like I can't remember when it was maybe 2008 or 2009, um, our guy, Ross Jansen won, uh, captain powder because he skied the mono down Corbe's couloir. And like, it was still early enough that that was kind of a cool, like a totally different thing to do. You know, um, I'm sure somebody had done it before him, but not, not very many people. And, um, and so we, we, we killed it for a while and then we wanted to bring it back just because there was literally so much like there was so much passion behind it and it and in a way it's like really part of our culture it's like really part of that free skiing freestyle culture and uh and and then you know it's just so much fun to put graphics on a mono like unfortunately with skis it's not quite as exciting often as like a, a, a snowboard like you don't have that spacing and i'm kind of the graphics guy in the company so like i i hear like this is a thing and like to be able to get like these beautiful graphics on the mono was huge and then we had the other thing that happened was that um, one of our guys was um, uh, Dave, shout out to Dave, was friends with the guys at Pet Viper. And so they were like, let's do a collab together. And I think that was definitely one of the co- coolest collabs I've seen in the ski industry. Um, Pit Viper, Faction, Mono, bam. And then this year, if you haven't yet seen the graphics, go check out the graphics. They're absolutely sick. Um, we got an astronaut on there, which I think is just so, it just speaks right now. I think that, you know, it's just, it's just great. The, the, the astronaut on the mono, take me to the mono, um, is, uh, is just, yeah, it, it, it makes us all laugh. And it's, it's also really what's part of our, what's part of our culture and, uh, and company is just making sure that we're, we're not taking ourselves too seriously, you know? So I guess I should say, I mean, there's two other skis we're going to touch on here. This all kind of falls under this rubric of the Outcast series. So we've got Limano, and then um, we've got the Machine. Josh, what should we know about the Machine? Okay, the Machine is is definitely born from uh, a desire to have a pure powder ski. I mean, we love skiing pow. And, you know, we, we wanted to be able to just have that in our lineup. I mean, we felt like our lineup was not complete without a pure powder ski. So what we did is we, we went, we talked to all the, uh, all the heli ops. Um, we, we talked to CMH um, and we, we got some great feedback from them. They really helped us out a lot to, to develop the ski and tell us what they needed um, from a pure powder ski. And, um, and then from there, um, we had our, 
our genius engineer, Oliver Binder, design and draw up the, the perfect powder ski. Now, one of the things that we wanted to do is we, we, we clearly are aware of the fact that, you know, in this day and age, heli skiing doesn't have the best, you know, it, it, we, all, we all dream of heli skiing, but at the same time, we're like, okay, this is maybe not just the thing that we want to promote as, a, as you know, we, we, we get it. We, we don't want to be polluting. So we're, we're trying to figure out. So we, what we did is we put a lightweight core in there and we have the notch so you can actually tour with this ski as well. And this would be like a great Japan ski, for instance, or even a great Whistler ski on a super deep day. I mean, this thing has, it's a reverse camber. It's got reverse camber minus two of reverse camber. And then it's got like a tapered tip and tail, like a wicked tapered tip and tail but then it does have just a little bit of radius underneath the foot so you can literally like take this thing sideways and like almost ride it like a snowboard like it's pretty awesome it's it's you know it, it for some reason i kind of think of saucer boy you know what i mean and like how he if he could like have like the the the, 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 the ski that was closest to like the machete and also his saucer, this would be something in that realm. It's, it's definitely worth testing if you can, um, because it's, it's, a, it's a really special ski. Wow. That you sold me hard on that. That's <laughs> like, um, that was, that was good. Yep. I want to ski this thing. I'm telling you, though, I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating, Jonathan. You got to try it. It's really cool to get it sideways and to and to feel it float in that direction and to be like, I'm doing this. Like I'm flo and and so yeah, no, it's 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 really it's a unique experience. I think this is when someone chimes in with like, shut up and just take my money. So yeah, that was good. You you got me. You you really got me. Last but not least, we got a mogul ski. We go. Let's go from deep pow to to moguling, wiggling. Tell me about this. Hank, what do you got? So we talked about the mono being sort of a, a throwback to our free ride roots. Certainly the mono is there then to be squarely our throwback to the freestyle roots. And you don't see many other companies, gosh, basically nobody producing a, a mogul ski anymore. But it was important to us to do it because there's still this incredibly passionate base of people out there who are ripping moguls and we see events here like in in colorado and winter park uh, bumpa palooza they call it right this is happening every spring these are people who are the most passionate frankly just period the most passionate and that's why we're doing this right we want to make a product that is catered to a specific use right the skis across the board they are built for purpose built to last right so here's just another example of us uh, you know really wanting to bring everyone into this family the most passionate skiers and it's I mean it's tip and tail rocker it's it's a classic mogul ski I don't know but it's from what I've heard from everyone who's using this thing it is it is leaps and bounds a more fun and more forgiving and more uh, I don't know just <laughs> I don't want to say better but it's better okay than than the very, very few people out there who are producing mogul skis, right? And we're, we're talking, this is a niche within a niche, uh, two or three tiny companies out there who are doing mogul skis. And, and we've just come out with something that, that is embracing our progressive design and, and robust design. So we're having fun with it. Daniel? Yeah, something to add there, Josh. Um, mogul skiing is freestyle history. Uh, everything has started in the 70s with the greatest 
Mogul Skiers of all time, Bobby Burns, all these kind of heroes, they started freestyling yeah, Candid, you know, for sure. Next, also Candid was skiing there, not in the 70s, but a little bit later. But everything has started there, you know. They went, they went uh, from, from ski racing to develop these mogul skis, you know, this freestyle, this, this, this hot dogs. And that's something what we are not forgetting. And a freestyle company has to have a mogul ski in the line. So my next question, who's the best mogul skier out of the three of you? Well, gosh, if I'm wearing the hot dog outfit, I just, <laughs> I just kind of elevate to number one purely from style points. Right, we, the mogul. The mogul is a combination of many different score elements, right? And so, so even even if they beat even if they beat me down with speed and they have a better time or something, it's I think I'm still taking it. So sorry, guys, but uh, I just lean lean back, baby, lean back and <laughs> just let it happen. Uh huh. Yep. Lean back and let them go. There's actually a lot of similarity between skiing a mono and skiing moguls, by the way, because it's the same concept. Your, ski, your feet are close together. You yeah, can't, you know, yeah. you're not meant to move your feet. So it's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of connections. Okay, who has spent the most time on a mono ski out of the three of you? I've, I ski the mono at the ski tests uh, in the springtime. And to me, that is, the, that is the perfect time to do it. We're talking like mid-March, and we're ripping around Aspen, and almost every year at these ski tests, which last almost a week, almost every year without fail, you get a couple days of deep, deep snow, of pure pow bliss, and then the, the weather shifts, and you get a couple days of bluebird, spring slush, and so to be able to do the mono in both environments of pure pow and floating and just sailing and sticking your arms out to the side, and just flying, right? That's like this incredible feeling. But the feeling of throwing that thing sideways and surfing in the slush as well, both to me are just, it is a total dream. And it's, it takes a minute to get used to it. But if you spend just a couple days in there, you totally fall in love with it. And so it's, we talk about laughing at this thing. We talk about it's almost like a joke. This thing has a legit application. And same as the same as the mogul super fans out there, there are still insane, passionate, super dedicated mono skiers out there. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. just go just do a little YouTubing and look up some some YouTube or excuse me, some mono shred action. And you can't help but smile at this stuff because it's wiggling, it's hot dogging, it's just to me sliding on snow in a in a pure form. Uh it's I'm I'm lost for words. It's just, it's perfect. I love it. Well, gentlemen, good to talk to all of you. And I think it's been, I, I like what we did here. We kind of started at the macro when we told sort of the origin story and we talked about some of the key watermark points along the way in factions history. And then we, we dug into the, this season's lineup. So I, I feel like, um, I feel like our work here is done. You know, we certainly look forward to getting on uh, some of these updated skis and putting our two cents out to the world. You know, I guess I'll just say uh, good luck to all of you guys. It's it's cool hearing about the way in which things have evolved. And it feels like, I mean, your enthusiasm and excitement about where the brand is at today, that's pretty palpable. 
And, you know, it sounds like you're psyched on the crew and the products going forward. And, you know, good luck with all of it going forward. We appreciate that so much, Jonathan. And I'll say thanks so much to you and to your Blister team for doing what you are doing, because these in-depth, unbiased reviews that you are putting out is a real special service to skiers everywhere. And so we, we really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and catch up with you and share our story. And uh, thanks so much to you. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, take care. Talk to you soon. And uh, that's a wrap. Okay, well, it's time now for our What We're Celebrating This Week segment. And this week, the thing that I've been thinking a lot about is great outdoor shops. I have been talking with a number of our recommended shops the past couple of weeks and also talking to a couple of new shops that we're excited to be telling you about. And it is really inspiring to me to be hearing these different stories about how these various shops have hung in there during COVID and also how each of these shops functions in and serves the particular communities in which they're located and how that works out just in a number of different ways. To be honest, I find mediocre or shitty shops to be really depressing or anger-inducing, but the really good ones, they continue to be important hubs that help all of us go do what we love. And so now I'm going to raise my glass and this week I've got a nice 10-year-old straight rye whiskey from Whistlepig, which I personally, I like their tenure served with a big cube. That's just me. But anyway, I'm going to raise my glass to the great shops out there, the ones that give a damn and the ones that keep us all up and running and doing what we love. Here's to you, good shops. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. And I want to say thanks to Hank and Josh and Daniel for the conversation. You can go to factionskis.com to check out all of the products we've just been talking about. And don't forget to go to blister.getspot.com to get yourself $20,000 of accident insurance starting at just 25 bucks a month. Get it? And then you can go back to doing a bunch of really dumb things to try to impress, I don't know, maybe your equally dumb friends or maybe your much smarter friends. I don't know how this works. I don't know your friends. Anyway, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And if you are enjoying these Gear 30 conversations, we would very much appreciate it if you would take like 10 seconds and leave us that nice little five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everybody. And as always, we will be back here again next Friday for another episode of Gear 30. And from all of us here in the Gunnison Valley, please be safe out there. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.